Hey everybody, we back again. Back again. There it is. <laughs> a little bit more slavery to it, but appreciate <laughs> it. Um, I'm Spencer, and of course, that's our licensed clinical therapist, Naz. There he is. And this is the Different Spectrums podcast. Mm. Wow. Uh, we talk about movies and shows and the mental health that surrounds those movies and shows. We also have some laughs, so don't take us too serious. Also, don't forget up. Don't forget to run up those likes for us <laughs> and a stroke. We'd really appreciate it. Yep. Uh, so today we are taking a look at a scene from Bad Batch, uh, season two, episode twelve, The Outpost. Uh, in this scene, Crosshair and Mayday are sent on a mission by Lieutenant Nolan to recover some lost cargo. Uh, after a battle ensues, Crosshair and Mayday get stuck in an avalanche. Um, after being wounded during the avalanche, Crosshair carries Mayday back to the base. Um, yeah. And on the brink of death, Crosshair pleads with Lieutenant Nolan to help Mayday. Uh, Nolan refuses and shows who he is by letting Mayday die. Now, this is a pretty emotional scene, as we've seen, and I've heard from Nas. Um he had some tears for this scene. Yeah, this was tough. This was tough. Yeah. It was a tough one. But um, I'm kind of glad, like I've said before, um, Star Wars is going in a like a darker direction, especially with their shows, as we saw in The Mandalorian with that one chick who I don't think anybody likes at this point. No. <laughs> She's actually like buff as shit in real yeah. life. I saw I was like, oh, damn. You can tell the jawline. <laughs> Uh, but topics that we're going to be covering today, uh, friendship, connection, redemption, um, and then also following orders, right? Yep. So, uh, Nas is going to go a little bit more in the side of the redemption, um, specifically when we talk about social workers and what they kind of have to go through, especially when they're speaking with their clients, but then also having to have a little bit more with their leadership, Right. So yep. um, Nas is going to get into that. Uh, anything before we get into the scene, Nas? Uh, that's pretty much it. We're going to talk about uh, this is going to be more of a metaphorical episode compared to where mm -hmm. we're at, like legit diagnosing. But I'll do some diagnosis stuff, some treatment planning at the very end. We'll get yes. into it. Uh, as everyone knows, go check out the socials. Go check out everything on our new website. We have a shop that's up now and you can buy merchandise, uh, all different types of Autism-like related things, podcast-related things, LGBTQ-related things. So it's quite wonderful to shop. It's up and running. It's good. we got some customers already. Also want to thank you uh, and always mention our supporters. So if you go on to Spotify, you can also support us and help us by donating uh, monthly. So I appreciate the folks that are doing that currently. And as always, folks, subscribe down below. Follow us on Spotify and anywhere you find your music. So let's get into the ad. Let's do a quick scene. And then let's just talk about all the stuff. All the stuff. All the stuff. All right. Boop, boop. Whoop, whoop. We should put that on a shirt. Whoop, whoop. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> 
mean, people would probably be like, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. I think socially awkward people would be like, no, I'm never wearing this shirt again. Yeah. Step aside! Get back to work and load those crates. All of you! means you failed your mission. Did you hear what I said? Help him. Certainly not. That would be a waste of the Empire's resources. He'll... He'll die. As a soldier of the Empire. You... You could have saved him. Perhaps you didn't hear me. He is expendable. As are you. And if you speak to me again with such disrespect, I'll see to it you meet a similar fate, clone.
So we are back. Just watched the scene from The Outpost, season two, episode 12. A little bit of backstory on Crosshair and Bad Batch. So Bad Batch is pretty much uh, clones that were born with a defect. And so they all have like all these different, um, not superpowers, but all these different skill sets um, that make them different. Like uh, Crosshair can, he's like the best sniper ever. Marksman. Yep. Yep. Um, And so with Crosshair, um, he decided to side with the Empire instead of going against them like the rest of the Bad Batch did, right? Um, So for him, throughout season two, a little bit of season one, uh, we've been seeing uh, him kind of seeing what the Empire is really all about and how... Um, they don't really like to treat, especially clones, with any type of respect at all. Mm-hmm. They see them as the old guard um, and something just using resources rather than, you know, actual people or anything like that. Um, so for this episode, Mayday um, and his crew were part um, of a station that had been there for probably years or whatever. Yep. Right. And so during that time uh they've been waiting for the empire to actually give them supplies and all that um but they never do and so mayday and his crew um keep dwindling and dwindling um until finally mayday is the last one left um and then insert crosshair here where um he finally find somebody who he kind of connects with and has seems like he has a really good he might have a good friendship with them i think he just respected him man he just respected him that too um and also he crosshair himself has been getting um kind of excluded from all the other clones so right now he's at a point where he's by himself empire doesn't like him think he's just some wasted resource while um the clones kind of see him as somebody who betrayed um his friends and betrayed the trust of the clones um and so for for crosshair it seems like he just wanted to follow orders and that's it um but he found out that just following orders, you do have a emotional side to that. You need, there's more to than just following orders because you're just killing people. And so um, we see that when um, he confronts Nolan about Mayday dying and how he could have helped him and saved him. Um, and at that point, um, he just lost it and decided to kill Lieutenant Nolan. Right. Well, I yep. mean, Let's be honest. Most of us probably would. Let me be real. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the backstory of Crosshair and a little bit about Mayday. So, Nas, why did you pick this scene? So I was watching. It's a random scene. It's been a random uh, season of Bad Batch where they're adding in all these characters and they're building up all the storylines like you told me. And so they insert this random clone in this outpost and they're supposed to send these resources. And then, you know, this, this guy, this lieutenant, just an asshole and just treats everyone very derogatory, very classist, very racist. Mm -hmm. uh, Right. Uh, Does not care about the clones at all. And so he just 
making sure people call him by his titles, this and that. And the Mayday goes, how many wars have you led? How many battles? Are you mm-hmm. trying to tell me what to do on my on my platoon? Come on now. Right. Um, so you they're building up Mayday to be like this. I I thought it was like Rex or Cody type of vibe. Like they're building him up to mm-hmm. be like a really good leader of his men, and he loves his men. Um, and then you see him get crapped on, and then you see they get thrown to the, these other raiders and all that. So they're building up the storyline to make you really like this character. Well, Crosshair starts to respect him. Uh, and I think it's what it is, the kinship, right? And then he sees that, it's, you know, it's his brother in arms. And he, Carson, during the episode, said, ah, if you were to die like this, I'd leave you. You're dead weight. You're dead weight. And so this avalanche hits. And he's like, oh, man, I'm dead weight. Take off. Just go. Save yourself. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't leave one of my brothers in arms. That's who's legit a good soldier. And so you see this, this, this transformation that's been happening throughout the season where he's starting to really get sick of the empire and the sacrifices and watching his brothers, his clones die, the same genetic material, all mm-hmm. the other, uh, 99ers, right. They all mm-hmm. have other defects. You got records, super strong techs, like hyper intelligent hunters, just a really good tenacious leader. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you got echo. It's like part robot, but, um, so they all have got their different hyper and special abilities. So crosshairs is like pinpoint accurate with the gun doing all the geometrical math and all that shit to get everything. He's just very accurate. He's a sharpshooter. But right, he said he decided against them. So the scene, I'm building it up, the background, like you said now, um, to watch him carry his brother throughout the snow and almost die himself, Mm. not letting him die was awesome. That connection, that love, that teammate, it's how he was with the original batch. He acts like an asshole, but he legit loved his brothers. And then you move it to the lieutenant. Now it makes you, you already hated the lieutenant. Now you hate him even more because you just let homeboy die. And then he's like, you're disposable. You serve us. Waste your resources. And then, he, you know, he's blonde hair, blue eyes. I think they made that very clear that he was very white where everyone else, right, is of color. All the clones are of color. Yeah. And so, you know, there's some racial things going on right there that they did. And then you got the trumpets or the horns in the background, the music. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that hawk that's flying through the air. And they talk about it during the episode on how much Mayday just thought they were awesome. He said, they're going to kill me one day, but they're pretty cool. Majestic. And so then when he sees that, and he looks down, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to kill the lieutenant now. So it is what it is. And then it looks like he dies immediately after that crosshair. He Mm -hmm. actually just passes out. And then, you know, I think they're going to use that. They're going to use some machinery on him to, like, get him to act right. Probably use the same thing they did in Mandalorian. Honestly. I think so. I think that's the same thing yeah. they were going to do because they injected him with a big needle. Uh, right. I brought up the scene because I thought it was a really good metaphor for us counselors. Flat yeah. out. Any helpers, caregivers, teachers, any professionals that are in a caring profession. Really good metaphor. We drag and we pull and we force a lot of people to move forward in life, right? We nurture them, mm-hmm. if you want to use better words. But you get people to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you just need a little bit more help. You don't sacrifice so much to get this person there. And you're not blaming the person that you're helping. I'm not blaming my clients. All I'm saying is I need a little bit more help from one of my coworkers, but specifically maybe the boss. I need you to say yes on this one form. I need you to maybe help subsidize some of the income. I need you to maybe waive this policy. 
I need you to maybe let them stay until six o'clock when the after school program closes at five thirty because the mama can't pick them up till six. Right? I need you to okay a few things to help them survive. I will get into it uh, in a second, but I've specifically thought about me working with doctors. Mm. And it's mostly you know white males. Uh, thought about me working with doctors. And how they'll say things or do things and harm my clients unintentionally, I think, uh, does a lot of damage. And you're like, you son of a bitch. I just needed you to do this one thing, this one thing, and you couldn't do it. I'll take people to the doctors or I'll take people here and there. And they'll be like, we can't work with them. They're too severe. If you give them this one thing, though, they won't be as severe. So I have examples I can give of these things. So I thought it's a very relatable scene. A uh, couple different ways that we'll go into it, but I'm going to kick it back over to you. And then I can talk about doctors and some case studies, some cases that I had. Yeah, totally. Um, honestly, I think, um, yeah, we, the thing is, it's like when we first started off seeing Crosshair and the Bad Batch and how they all remove their chips from their head, um, it was, it was always interesting to see that crosshair just never saw it their way, even with his chip. I think he said his chip was already removed long yep. ago. And so yep. it was just him making those decisions. Um, and even though, you know, all the other, um, all the other clones, they just, they wanted to help him. He just never really saw it that way. Um, and it took him just till this point to really realize that, or maybe he hasn't realized that yet. Maybe it was just Mayday um, that he really just cared about at that moment because um, he just respected him so much. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of build up, and then, like I said before, that isolation can always change a person. Yep. Can always make them desire like some type of emotional contact that they've all like they've needed but they never realized how much they needed until, you know, afterwards. Um, so she got weird. Everything's gone. Yeah. Um, so my question is when it comes to like doctors and things like that, are you talking more of like medical doctors? Are you talking about like, you know, other therapists? Like what are you kind of going okay, for in so that sense? It's a smidge of both. So if you've got a certain boss or leader, they, they might be a, a doctor in psychology, but not an actual medical doctor. And so if you, or if you got a boss, let's say you're a teacher or, mm-hmm. you know, working with someone in a different setting, maybe a nurse, who knows, whatever. The leadership may not agree with your diagnosis, may not agree with the route that you're going to take with that child. Maybe you're, like I said, a teacher and the principal's like, no. And you're, or you're okay. running an after school program and they're like, no. Or you're at the YMCA and they're like, no. But you're mm-hmm. like, if we do this one extra thing, if we actually just care instead mm-hmm. of worrying about numbers, efficiencies, money, if we actually just care, wouldn't we be doing better by our people? Wouldn't we be a better population? And so that's what I'm all about, is actually caring about the human in front of you. But the right. way things are twisting me these days is... Uh, I was talking the other day to Colin and his wife, Mm-hmm. Heather and she said, "Looks like you need to find a new job." And I was like, "Yeah," but also mm-hmm. I feel like that's the way it's going to be at every job. It's just the professions. 
pump more clients, pump more clients, pump more clients. And you don't really want to sit there with them. There's a reason why we post these things on YouTube and all this and Instagram. People are saying, I wish my therapist or doctor acted like that. I wish they actually cared. Because most of the time they just kick you out after like five minutes. They don't even listen to you. Right. So there's that part, being the client mm-hmm. and being the worker. My thing was is the medical doctors. Mm-hmm. So I can't prescribe medication as a counselor, as a therapist, as a licensed clinical social worker. I know the meds that they should possibly be on because I've been working this for eight years and I know the meds that my clients have been on. I know what most likely is going to be prescribed. It doesn't take an idiot to pay attention. Right. And so I'll know that my clients should go get a medicine or maybe they need to adjust this and that. So they'll go to the doctors and they'll be like, uh, you don't have this. Mm-hmm. You met the kid for like 25 minutes. I've known the kid for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I know the kid for three hours instead of the 15 to 25 minutes, like follow through on what the therapist advises, like at least consider it. A lot of doctors will, I've worked with a lot of awesome doctors and they'll listen to me taking all the info and we'll decipher on what's going on with the kid. And then they'll make the, the, the prescription. Right. A lot of them will be like, nah, they're not, they don't have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of older doctors are going off a disability. It needs to be mm-hmm. pervasive. It needs to be disabling. It needs to be impacting their life magnificently to be fully diagnosed. And that's not a thing. Uh, right. So specifically with autism, I'll send clients to doctors. Or I'll send clients to other social workers. And they'll be like, oh, you're not autistic. Maybe you got Asperger's. My kid's like, that's not even a word anymore. Uh, she's like, well, you know, you make good eye contact and you got some social skills. You got friends. Like, I don't think you're on the spectrum. I think you're just anxious. Like, why are you telling my client things? Why does my client report back to me after I get back from vacation? And now they're crying in my office because of the things that you've done. What makes people think they have the right to override something that I recommended or something that we're sussing out? And so you get to these doctors with autism and they think that the kid needs to be legit handicapped. Mm. And so I read you a quote earlier. I'm going to shout this mm. person out and tag them in a video. And maybe they yeah. got this information from someone else. It says it's from AUDHD. Uh, uh, underscore therapist and so the, they're trying to get at ADHD autism ADHD because it's a thing like if you're on the spectrum you're going to have some ADHD in there so they're calling autistic ADHD it's a little bit different I'm uh, just recently learning about this because most of my students have comorbid ADHD and anxiety that are on the spectrum right. neurodivergent she says hey therapist stop telling clients they couldn't possibly be autistic because insert harmful stereotype mm-hmm. what it is harmful stereotype It's inaccurate and causes harm to our clients in the autistic community. It is. Mm -hmm. Bro, how many motherfuckers make eye contact? Me and you make really good eye contact. You get get flighty and avoidant at times, and then me, my eyes start to hurt, and I start to twitch and shit. But we can do it for an extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, But they'd be like, hey, you're not neurodivergent. Like, yeah. As soon as I figured out that I was, so many things got easier, and then I understood why I was was different and, and... and not weird and derogatory. I actually got to love myself. 
like fully love myself and embrace who I was after mm-hmm. I accepted it. Right. After I got away from the disabled speech. And so these doctors would be Lieutenant Nolan. Yeah. No, you're wrong. No, it's a waste of resources. We don't, we don't need to do that or invest in that. I don't have the time or I can't listen to your referral or I don't want to argue about your thing. You're just a social worker. Mm-hmm. You got a master's. I'm, you know, I'm a medical doctor. Right. I'm like, okay. I do not condone violence, but Crosshair doing his thing at the end there, I mean, that's a vibe. Yeah. I was telling Spencer, when people hurt your people, it it hurts. Mm. So my people yeah. could be brown people, could be poor people. It could be neurodivergent people, right? It just depends. It could be Mexican, could be Arab, whatever. But right. to me, my people are the people that are suffering. So if you're suffering and I'm supposed to help you and then someone gets in the way, I'm going to want to fight. I'm going to want to fight. And so I told someone the other day, they came to my office, one of the homies, and I said, you know, I was so mad. He said, damn, what's wrong? I don't ever talk to anyone about any drama. I said, I was getting ready to stab a motherfucker. And he said, damn. I can't believe I said it out loud. I'm like, yeah. I'm telling you, boy. They looked at me like, should I call the police? I'm like, this why I don't tell no one shit. <laughs> don't you snitch. No, you, you have to stab too. This is a joke. Stabbing, um, stabbing. Stab little, little touch. Uh, it gets intense, man, when you're fighting for people. And I know I'm not the only one that thinks like this. Maybe even mm-hmm. if it's your children, if folks that have uh, kids here, and you know your kid just needs a little bit more, but like people don't want to help and provide. Even with my father, when we were trying to get like him an MRI and a, a physical therapy, and we go to this doctor after doctor and they won't do anything. Yeah. And then finally my father starts crying in the office out of anger. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what, what no one, my son helps all these people. And no one fucking does anything for us. It's just some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he starts mm-hmm. to cry. And then what do you, what do you know? He got an MRI scheduled the next day. and got a physical therapist the next day. Why should my father, a grown ass man have to cry in front of a random doctor to finally get something? It's not how the medical system should work. Uh, no. It's just not. And so I was talking to a client, and I said, you know, I learned something from you. He said, what would you learn from me? I said, you finally made me realize I have to be nasty with these doctors. She said, Nazir, you're advocating for your father. I said, don't you therapize me, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you tell me what I know. Don't you tell me. She's like, well, that's what you would tell me, and that's what you told me. I was like, don't you use my shit against me. I taught you too well. Damn. Master student becomes the master. I'm telling you. And well, the good thing is, is I'm always willing to learn from anyone and everything. Every interaction, I can take something. But uh, mm-hmm. that's the way I'm built. I'm listening. Uh, and I told her, you know, I, I loved her a lot for that because my father got what he needed. And we finally got the MRI. I pulled him out of the MRI. Or I didn't pull him out. But after they slid him back <laughs> it's out. like, Jesus. Yeah. They, they Get slid him back out. And he was fucking crying. I was like, Jesus Christ, he was in a panic attack. And his he was going through all the trauma in his head. Doesn't he's claustrophobic. Right. Uh, but we did it. But why should social workers, teachers, parents have to push this hard? Right. Why should we have to feel like you're attacking or hurting our loved ones? Hmm. Our mentees, our students. This is a good clip. 
So now if we move forward of this metaphor, we talk about redemption. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't, don't get twisted. Crosshair is a piece of shit. Yeah. He killed yep. a lot of people. Killed a lot of people. He turned on his friend, his family, his loved ones. He killed he he's he's what we call uh, a race trader, man. He traded on his entire race. Uh, right? You just he call enslaved... him Uncle Tom. You just call Crosshair and Uncle Tom. I ain't gonna say it, but you said it. You just said it. I ain't saying it. Race trader. He you just he, said race trader. He, That's way worse. He helped commit genocide amongst his own people to save his own life. He betrayed his race. He betrayed like, his I'm race. not gonna call him Uncle Tom. I ain't gonna call him some other stuff. <laughs> oh, Coonan ass. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> boy, I hated him so much. Uh, and then you thought he was gonna kill the girl the entire first season. So, but then he comes yeah. around. But why should he have why did it take this long? I don't know. Also, good, good soldiers follow good orders. It's a whole play on like the Nazi stuff too, right? Of them. Following yeah, orders which, blindly. By the way, you know, we'll do the scene at some point, but for this third season, the third episode of Mandalorian, it was just like Nazi vibes the whole time. Mm-hmm. And they're painting this picture, right, of the Empire. Before it was kind of like, oh, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Now it's kind of like, now we know who the bad guy is. We know who it is. And it's yep. the Empire in there very fascist slash Nazi-like. You know? Yeah, the way they salute everything. The way they're, the First Order was all Empire and slash everything moving forward in the First Order was all right. replicas of of Nazis. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I think we can, especially from this scene, we can also tie in just business versus like people themselves. A lot of people just look at it as numbers rather than people. And um, obviously you see that a lot. And like Heather was telling you, you're just going to find that in every business that you go to. They look at them as people, as numbers, instead of just being people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but you're a mental health section of the school. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you're all about health, making people get better. But at the same time, you're, you're not trying to do what they need to do to get better. Yes. Odd. Odd. Because There's, it might cost you a little bit more. And it's not in the realm where, you know, it's not enough time efficient. It, there's always something getting in the way. Right. So, I mean, capitalism at the end of the day is what rules us all. And, you know, it's capitalism. It's capitalism for the, for the, for the poor, but socialism for the rich. Hmm. Uh, as we talked about today, uh, you know, where they make poor people turn on, where middle class turns on poor people, they get the races to all turn on each other and create this divide. But at the meantime, all these richest banks in the world over the last week just got bailed out. Right. Uh, and yet, you know, they can't do things with student loans or they can't increase minimum wages or they can't actually pay teachers or social workers a fair salary uh, or just move people's wages up in general. Maybe you don't agree if you listen to the pod, but I assume you do. But I mean, those folks can get bailed out. Why not the other people that are at the bottom of the food chain? Uh, oh, because it'll destabilize the whole country. Mm-hmm. But why should they not have to pay for their sins of being inappropriate with their money? You make us supposedly poor people pay for our sins. 
our bad choices of buying things or doing drugs or having children. But right. when you literally embezzle or swindle everyone's money and, and use it in bad investments, well, now Joe Biden or President Bush or Obama has to step in and pay for it all. Hmm. Doesn't make sense in these bailouts. Um, doesn't make sense. Hmm. But it's interesting. The way the world works is very interesting, man, and it's a tough cookie to, to eat. And you'll get some people that will buy into the propaganda, like Crosshair, mm-hmm. and follow orders because it gives them a job and they get to work and they're safe, right? Because in The Mandalorian, they were talking about they miss things about the cookies and the food and the stability. The right? little things. They yeah. miss these little things. Uh, Even though overall they were taking over the galactic empire. Taking over everything. <laughs> They were taking over the galaxy, and they're just like, I miss these cookies. Yeah. So, where was I going to go? I was going to go with uh, therapizing some stuff. Yes. You got him, Crosshair, most likely going mm-hmm. through some grief with his, with his friends, his loved ones. Uh, he's got some shame, some embarrassment, some guilt now that's building up. He's going through a real psychological split of the man he used to be, the mm-hmm. man who he had become right after the chip was removed, and the man who he is now, and regretting mm-hmm. a lot of things. And he's seeing the death of his people, right? And it's not just like, ooh, Nas, I see another brown person. Like, this is legit your fucking clone. It's like 99% your material, 100% right. your material. It's a little different. Um, right. Imagine watching yourself die at the hands of, like, someone. Uh, yeah. That'd be creepy. So he's going through this existential crisis, finally decides to like speak up, kills his boss. Please do not do that. We do not recommend you hurting anyone or condone it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so in that moment of time, I feel like this is his redemption story. Like you said, it's... I feel like he's going to get imprisoned and enslaved now, but this is a redemptive part of his story. I assume somehow he'll get out, or I assume Hunter will somehow bust him out of wherever he's at. Somehow he'll end up back with the Bad Batch. Yeah, I think so. I think so. He got to. I, so I, before you go a little bit more into what? the therapeutic side, I, I want to ask, what for you... Are you going to be looking for in your future for like your, you know, mental health kind of um, career, Career. honestly, overall, because, you know, or like we said before, it's you can't really get to be your full self on the corporate side of everything. Right. And I don't want to put you in a bad spot, especially on a podcast that you do. But at the same time, um, what would you want to change, honestly, for um, the place where you work now or where you want to work in the future? Like, what's your, where do you want to go? So one thing is it would need to be a place where everyone felt safe enough to talk and dialogue. Right. Me being the boss and running things will have things confronted immediately. Right. Uh, and there will be no of this, you know, everyone's talking behind each other's backs. It's just not the environment that mm-hmm. I foster. And that's not how mm-hmm. I run with any of my my interns under me, they all come to me with things. We talk it out. I have interns that come with me with stuff the other day. Didn't tell no one, told me, we consulted, we figured it out. It's done. It's handled. 
They'll execute mm-hmm. the order afterwards. And it's going to end up very fabulous. I validated some things. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Right. Uh, but there needs to be a comfort level. There also has to be a willingness to be educated. There has to be a willingness. I'm not telling you you got to believe everything on race or gender or sexuality, everything that we preach. But you have to be willing to listen and engage. Um, specifically on autism, if I am the specialist, then you must listen now. Right. So if I was at this facility, it would actually have people listen mm-hmm. and acknowledge some of the wrongdoings or to have a dialogue about it. Why is it every time that you say the student doesn't have ADHD and I go send them out to get tested and they spend $2,000, they get diagnosed with ADHD. Why couldn't you have just done it and medicated them? Why did I have to force a student to spend 2000 mm-hmm. right. Why disrespectfully say sarcastic things? I think that I know that it's, uh, and you think that I don't think it's derogatory. I know it's derogatory. Mm-hmm. I know it, but I eat it. Why? Because I want my student to get things. I want them to go meet this person, this person, this person. So I eat things on behalf of my clients. I don't need, I never tell them that. Right. But I do have them eat some things because sometimes professionals will talk to them in a bad way or they'll say grossly, uh, gendered or misogynistic things i'm like bruh or racist things i'm like you did not just fucking say this to my client right. yeah i some of the things that they say to women like oh you know i'm not even gonna repeat some of the things it's just very funny and then they talk to right. me about it and i'm like okay well some of them i'll will dialogue and they'll like legit check the doctor about it doctors mm-hmm. in the world i'm like look at you <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's like that shit didn't make sense i said damn right i'm glad you said something um right so it would be in a not necessarily the most it doesn't have to be the most progressive and inclusive place but it need to be a place where you listen to the specialists mm-hmm. and then you take their advisement or when you consult you take their information under advisement right? right you use that information you don't roll your eyes when i say this person's possibly neurodivergent right this is why I don't tell people I'm on the spectrum. But maybe I should tell people I'm more people I'm on the spectrum because then they'd be like, oh, shit. He's mm-hmm. not like drooling on himself and throwing shit at the wall. Well, right. yeah. at times. I mean, you know, I've been in your house with some shit on the walls. Yeah. How'd it get up there? Oh. <laughs> this one that looks like down, Twitness. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enough. Um, Fair enough. So it would have to be in a place like that. Maybe I'm running the show. Right. Uh, you know, maybe I'm working at a clinic only for folks on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm working for, for folks only of color. Maybe it's athletics. It just depends. Uh, I just know right. that when I don't feel heard, that sucks. But the thing is, is when I can handle me not being heard, when you directly hurt my clients, oh, now we got a problem. And that's where kind of like that anger and a little bit of resentment kind of go into it. Uh, just like in the scene that we just watched, right? Perfect. Just like it, right? And then that just starts to build and grow and grow and grow. And then you have all of these, now you have all of these like different um, traits for these people, like the people in the empire or for doctors that you're just like, can I even trust you with my client? Can I trust you with them? And it's like, why am I even sending them to doctors? Because they have to have medication. Well, 
how do we have this dialogue where we can actually do you do have a dialogue with those doctors or a lot of doctors i do uh I'll, you know mm. right and then some of them are quite wonderful and then some of them are just not right it just depends right. and so i can't overgeneralize it to everyone but a good majority of the time yeah. it's it's not the best interaction especially from a social worker to a doctor right. it'll be different with psychologists right because they got bigger and better degrees and all that stuff uh, right. even though i mean I'll have my doctorate specifically in like autism research, uh, you know, like two months here, but, <laughs> oh, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, you know, <laughs> he just diagnoses everyone with ADHD and autism. I'm like, well, the ones that come to me that have it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a vibe. So we'll see what happens. Uh, moving, and okay. it's like this for everyone in their jobs. They see what happens. Yeah. They modify it. So this is kind of leads us into the next question is, there is no real diagnosis for him right now. I mean, the, it is an existential crisis. So someone like this could benefit greatly from therapy to process all the grief and trauma that just happened because all his people pretty much just died. His home planet or, or right, his home was blown up. Blown up, yeah. So there's a bunch of trauma there. So tons of trauma, all the wars, the fighting, the break, the split from his family, uh, realizing that you've been played with your mind the entire time. Uh, realizing that you just murdered and commit genocide against a bunch of Jedi. Um, mm, true. Then you move into this this crisis. So therapy could be really good for this crisis and this trauma split that's going on. The treatment plan, though, specifically for him getting out of this situation. So if my client was Crosshair, mm -hmm. how do we get a new job? How do we start setting boundaries at the job to advocating for yourself? How do we get you to speak up to Lieutenant Nolan? I could even ask myself the same thing. How do I do it? Well, internally, I I can fight with a doctor and been being a little bit more blunt forward mm -hmm. now with doctors and even with my own family's health. I'm at, I'm being more aggressive, which is a tactic. Uh, and I'm a larger human and I can do it. Uh, True. And then it's, you know, do we need to get a new job? So I work with a lot of my clients on how do we get new jobs? When do we start applying? Do we quit now? Do we quit later? Let's start getting our resume padded. Let's start getting our letters of recommendation ready. Let's start looking at the job market in general, which is fucking terrifying, and then applying and then interviewing. It's all terrifying, right. as you know. So there's yeah. steps to this job shit. And then it's about, you know, do you have to move because of your family? It's a lot. It's very complicated. So how do we start moving forward and have an exit strategy while also staying planted communicating it's like some of my students that have to deal with the gender stuff so a lot of my women in these stem classes it's all men it can get a little weird for a lot of my women in there and they get talked over and ramrodded and some of my women of color the teachers will be weird and there's some persecutory things that happen my international students get taken advantage of a lot uh, financially and like forced to work longer and harder hours so we set up these strategies and how to like start fighting back and how to stop stop feeling in this capitalistic thing of produce 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 and so you have to pull back set some boundaries it, it takes a while you have to deal with the anxiety of setting boundaries right it's a fucking grind bro especially from international yeah. students and for my women specifically my, my black women it's scary because what Nas? what if i say these things and then oh, well, now i'm the angry fucking black woman in the office Right. So I had a couple of clients that confronted their professors in their PhD programs and 
said, oh, it didn't go that bad. And she started crying. I was like, of course she did. Of course the white lady started crying. <laughs> I'm so sorry for what my people did to you. I'm like, can you just stop treating me like shit in class? I'm <laughs> like, that's all I asked. I know. It's like, I don't need you to apologize for your ancestors. Just be cool. Just, just be cool. Yeah. Stop pointing me out in class or when I say something, then you shit on it. But when one of the dudes says it, you like validate them. You stop doing that. Uh, yeah. Because other people have brought it up to me and it's not even just me and my clients. Other people right. will bring it up to my clients like, you're being treated unfairly. Something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I got so many case studies for so many different things. But the treatment plan is support. You get a counselor yes. this, support, legit planning out what you're going to do step by step. Anytime anyone has a plan, they feel comfortable. They leave my office. Not, well, I don't care if they're autistic or not. They leave my office. They're like, I feel really fucking good. And I said, why? They said, I got a plan now. I said, it feels good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You came to my office. Other counselors would be like, oh, it's so hard for you. I empathize with you. My bitch, give me a plan. <laughs> Tell me what to do. I already know. I just sucks. need the specifics. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need this general statement. Give me exactly what I need to do. Guide me. Well, therapists would be like, "Well, we can't tell you what to do." I'm like, motherfucker, I, I, you don't need to tell me exactly what to do, but you need to help them figure out kind of what to do. <laughs> just be free. Yeah. What does that even mean? After you validate. The treatment plan is to literally make some type of executive exploratory plan that they can start implementing strategies. Yes. Solutions. People want solutions. Some people just want to be heard and listened to. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like when you're in relationships, your partner doesn't want you to tell them what to fucking do. But after you validate and they go through all that emotional stuff, now they'll be like, what should I do? Bang. That's when you let them have it. Gotcha. Gotcha, bitch. (laughs) I got you. <laughs> uh, my clients love it, man. My neurodivergent folks especially love it because they're just sitting there like, I'm literally here to figure out what to do. Yeah. yeah. Some of my clients will be like, So you're saying I should do this? I said, Hold up now. I, I ain't say no. shit. I ain't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> I said, If it was me, but you ain't a 350 pound Mexican. <laughs> you Mexican. Yeah. Mexican yeah, I know. I was like, wait a minute. There's yeah, more to you 355-pound diabetic. <laughs> That's my race. <laughs> What's your race? Chocolate milk. I'm everything. <laughs> everything but white. <laughs> I'm just sugar at this time. I'm sugar. <laughs> I ain't that dark chocolate either. I'm that milk chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cream. Oh, hold up. Let me stop. Hold on now. <laughs> Getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I get hungry and turn on at the same time. I can't tell the difference anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a good child mill. Okay. Oh my god. All right. <laughs> Land. Land the plane. The plane. Uh... <laughs> it, it can't all be business, man. True. Uh talked about the Nazi stuff, following orders. We talked about redemption, friends. We talked about the anger. We talked about doctors. The diagnosis, I told you, this one's up in the air. Um, right. Obviously, Mayday doesn't have a diagnosis because he's dead. <laughs> Lieutenant Nolan, <laughs> diagnosis. Good is... job. Good job, doctor. 
Um, he does not have a diagnosis. He is dead. <laughs> wow. You read that off a chart, huh? Fucking idiot. Let me check the chart real quick. Diagnosis? Oh, he did. <laughs> he did. Thank God you're not a medical doctor. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what did, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> that motherfucker did. He ain't breathing. Yeah. That's what damn sure. <clears throat> he got any chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> I checked his wallet and he only had credit cards, no cash. Um, yeah, who would take them to? Oh <laughs> um, Lieutenant Nolan. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Lieutenant Nolan, obviously antisocial. So narcissistic, antisocial, does not care about right. anyone, rules really. It's no, does not care about humans at all. And that's what you're going to feel like some of your leaders in a lot of these companies, corporations. Mm-hmm. Right, you're gonna feel like some of these doctors, and the job sometimes will make you cold. And like the job is starting to make me somewhat cold as well. Um, right. But you really have to fight against that. Uh, so that was my big thing: was how could you not help? So that's that's what I related to: is how could you not help? So, ba- so off of what you just said there, um, of how it kind of turns you cold, right? What are some things that you do? to try to deviate from that and make sure that you're not getting in a cold place, right? I smile because, you know, I've been doing my best this past semester to, to or this past year to do my job and as best as I could. Yeah. And, and I did my best to not get cold and to see more clients and I ended up getting in trouble because I ended up cheating. I got an email like, damn, I'm about to get fired. Uh, so the job is turning me a little cold. It depends on the way you look at it, though, because some of my clients, my wait list has gotten a month out for therapy. Mm-hmm. So by me keeping all these students on my caseload, it's not helping the current critical students. And so, excuse me, I need to do adjust. And so I am big enough of a person mentally. Mm-hmm. To know that I needed to adjust. And so I adjusted. But Mm -hmm. to not get cold is to make sure that you're doing good work with your clients, making sure that you are making progress with clients, making sure that you're having good conversations and that you're actually paying attention, Right. making sure that you're engaged and listening when they're talking and not somewhere else. Right. Making sure that you still want to wake up in the morning and like go to work and don't get it twisted. At 9 a.m. I hate every fucking person that there is. So... (laughs) But like 905, 915 when I'm talking to them, I'm like, all right, this person ain't that bad. Uh, yeah. Well, as soon as they walk in, fuck you. Oh, hi. Yeah. Hey, nice. To- yeah. As soon as like, when like, they smile, you're actually cool. I'm not gonna lie, that's how it is. Like when I get in my office, like as soon as I get the doorbell ring and then like my clients here, I'm like, man, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope you don't show up. And then they show up, I'm like, damn. You're a nice person. God damn. And then we start talking, and I'm like, oh, okay, this, this is, uh, yeah, I like doing this. I like this talking thing. Right. One of my humans, a couple weeks ago, I went to go walk out to the front, and they grabbed him. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey. And they said, hey. And they looked at me all weird, because, you know, everyone's short to me. So they were like, yeah. I was like, fuck was that? Uh, <laughs> it was super weird walking down the hallway. And so we brought it up. She said, yeah, you just look really angry. And I was like, I was? I was like, no, I'm fine. You were acting weird, so I acted weird. Yeah. Uh, I guess I didn't have my, like, human face on, and I had, like, my spectrum face where I was like, human, next. Come to my office. (laughs) Yeah. 
I've gotten that too, where they're like, you know, you look mean. I'm like, well, thank you. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, thank you for telling me that. Now go please, fuck yourself. You were please, right. Yeah. You were right this whole time. <laughs> you were right this whole shit. time. Stab, stab. <laughs> yeah, in some of the cases, it's very true. But for this human, I was actually excited yeah. to see them. My mind was just somewhere else when we were walking down the hallway. So we talked about it. Gotcha. And I've done better to be more bubbly in the hallway now, so not to scare people like, motherfucker. Get your ass in this office. Like, yes, sir. Yes, the sir. reason why I freak out is because I immediately, as soon as I walk in the hallway, I forget everyone's name. And so I'm like embarrassed, and there'll be a waiting room of humans, and I don't know which fucking name to say. I'll be like, Bobby, Mickey, Tiffany. Bobby, Bobby. We got Bobby. No yeah. Bobby. Ain't no Bobby. My client will look at me, and I'm like, Steph Nick Neck Mechna. I didn't know my name was Stephen <laughs> It's Jeffrey. Oh, I got it. Yep, I knew it. So that's part of the thing. Like, literally, I'll have to walk out of my office, walk back in, read the name, walk back out, immediately forgot. Yeah, I feel that. I really do. I'm, I'm terrible with names. I'm just like. And then if it's a new person that I haven't met yet, and it's an, uh, it's an ethnic name, like, right, our, my people. Right. I'm like, yep. The brown kid. <laughs> oh, my God. There's only one, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I produce there's so many international students and, uh, and actually True. students of different races, so it makes it really tough. And so <laughs> it, I hate it. I, I'll go to the front desk and be like, how do you pronounce this name? Because my dyslexia, yeah, I can't pronounce any fucking Engl- Anglo-Saxon names. That's uh, fair. Yeah. Like the, the other day, I said it was Gerard. It's like, it's Jared. Like, Gerard. Right. What up, Gerard? My brother, Gerard. my brother. My brother, Gerard. It's spelled Gerard. All right, there it was. Gerard. Gerard. Gerard Moran. Gerard. Um, <laughs> oh, man, God, I can't do him. And so it's just tough. So that's why I found out I was being like sad face or angry face out in the hallway. Right, right. Is what it is, man. Yeah. The controlling our mannerisms is tough at times. Uh, yeah. This thing with Lieutenant Nolan is was sickening. The trumpets mm-hmm. were really good. I thought it was just a wonderful scene to help folks relate to anyone that cares about anyone that feels like they're being left out. Mm-hmm. To anyone that knows what it feels like to be outcasted, bad batch, to be spectrum and neurodivergent, bad batch. Mm-hmm. To feel like these genocidal maniacs, maniacs, right? Pretty much most of the world has known what it feels like to feel colonized at one time or to be, you know, oppressed. And I'm not telling people to be victims here and all that shit. So a lot of people need to calm down. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's a wonderful people to relate to. These knuckleheads. Uh, I'm so glad Crosshair came around, but it looks like, you know, more of a story. When you fight for your people, you'll die. <laughs> well, once you're on, once you can't really choose a side, and then you're finally like, oh, I'll finally help my people. Then they're like, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't yeah, done no, you, that. you chose wrong now. So. That was stupid. That was stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I pretty much hit all the points that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, really excited to see where the season goes. How it uh, ends, really, you know? Yep. Yeah. I don't even know how many like, episodes it's going to be. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it was like around 20 or something. That's what I was thinking, 20. Yeah, good yeah. even number. Um, but yeah, all right. So I don't have anything else. Um, we're going to do some outro. Uh, so once again, please subscribe to our page down below, right where he's pointing. He's pointing at it. All you have to do is click it. That's it. And there goes Dumbo. All right. What a fucked up movie that was. Um, Super sad. Yeah. Um, so please like all of our pages. We have merch. We have a website. Go visit that. Um, buy some merch. You know, we have some cool stuff. And we have more coming. And we yes. got more coming. And uh, I've I've seen that we said there was a bunch of varying discounts on there. We got a set right now for all the new folks. It's at 20% right now. It's at 10%. It's at 10% so, right now. Oh, it's at 10% right now? It's okay. at 10%. Yep, okay. 10%. So right now, early bird special. You can get 10% off all the merch. There you go. 10%. There you go. So might as well. Could go to 20, but we'll leave it at 10 right now. Okay. We'll leave it at 10. We want more money. There we go. So folks, come on, get your stuff. Yes, get all of the stuff. So, uh, thank you everybody for watching. That's Nas. I'm Spencer, and this is the Different Spectrums Podcast. Deuces. We used to dance on the outros. Now I just say I love you. And I awkward like. <laughs> Jeez. All right, everyone. Look at my office. <laughs> <laughs>